It is the Bible Rundown. It's day 117. It's 1 Kings 1 and 2. We're entering into a new season here. King David, man after God's own heart, is going to die today. That's a that's a tough way to end. Tough, tough. Uh, it's kind of a shaky ending, but Solomon's reign is firmly established as he ends and he dies. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty uh, necessary and important section of scripture as Solomon is will be the one to take the throne. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you got here in, in, in 1 Kings 1 and 2? Well, first off the bat, I just have to admit that Anna and I were reading this together, kind of looking at it, and uh, her immediate comment uh, zeroing in was on Abishag the Shunammite. Right. Mm. So David has this, um, we're told, very beautiful, but also very young woman that's brought to him to keep him warm while he's on his deathbed. And I think, you know, culturally, it does not make sense to us. Uh, so there's a lot of these things that, you know, Old Testament culture and things there. But what's interesting, I think, um, is not so much what's happening, but what Abishab is going to mean for the kingdom being established under Solomon. Because in the background, we have in the scene, one of David's sons, Adonijah, who is setting up the kingdom for himself, trying to steal Mm. it from Solomon. And as we flip towards the end of chapter one, Abishag is actually going to be the one that results in Adonijah's undoing and his ultimate death at the hands of Solomon for trying to usurp the right ruler. So once again, right, we've got the to be anointed king or confirmed king in Solomon um, and this family dynamic at play. We saw it with Absalom. And here's another one of David's sons coming out of the woodwork, trying to undo what the Lord has already ordained will be done. Yeah, it's interesting. There's another Shunammite woman in the scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she doesn't have children. And uh, the woman, uh, Elisha, who comes after Elijah, is the one whom, uh, you know, basically tells her that she will have a child. Um <clears throat> And then she has a child and he dies and God resurrects the child. So there is there is a lot of symbolism here with and relationship with Elisha, the one that comes after Elijah, the anointed one who comes after Elisha, and Solomon, who is the anointed one who comes after Elisha. So no doubt that the Shunammite woman is important in the grand scheme of the Bible, not just in these passages of Scripture. And so the, there is a lot more to this Abishag, the Shunammite, than, than meets the eye. Yeah, and the other thing, Rob, that I was going to ask you, so um, the as we move forward, we talked about Adonijah is going to try and take the kingdom Solomon is anointed, um, but right. there was this reference in chapter, well, maybe it's here in chapter one, but that the people were still sacrificing on the high places. Mm. Do you know mm. what, actually that's for tomorrow. Never mind. Hold on. Now we're getting off. 
Yeah, no, we can ask that question because I think it's a good question. But the high places, I believe here, are because the temple wasn't established. And so they're sacrificing in places because the Ark of the Covenant, uh, David brings the Ark in. We talked about that in, in previous texts. But the high places are established as sacrifices because there has not been a tabernacle and the temple hasn't been established. When Solomon will establish the temple, the sacrifices will be there. But those high places that you're talking about that these people were sacrificing into will be changed from the high places to the Lord to the high places of these foreign wives in the time of Solomon. So it will come... So the sacrifices, they will be abandoned because the sacrifices will be done to the temple as before, but these then they will be crept back up and be sacrificed again with pagan idolatries um, in which Solomon will put in place. So these, these, these are not good things, not good things. No, and that's helpful because I think the other thing that I had noticed is we have a lot of different priests serving different kings, right? So Adonijah's got his own little priestly line. So does Solomon, mm -hmm. right, with uh, Zadok right. and then Nathan the prophet. So this showdown, though, does not end well, ultimately, for Adonijah. But um, David's commissioning to Solomon, there's some good stuff in there just... Not only yeah. father to son, but what it means to be a godly man and the charge that he gives him. Read some of that. Where Where is it? So chapter two, um, beginning in verse two, you know, David is on his deathbed and he says, I'm about to go the way of the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, his testimonies as is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me. And it, it sounds a lot like what Joshua is told by the Lord in Joshua 1. Yeah. And I've got a, I've got a question for you. It seems as if, what happens next is there is some things left undone in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And David wants Solomon to fix his problems. Now, do you see this as a, as an issue that David should have dealt with these problems before Solomon's King? Or do you think that it's, it's almost like, Hey, I wasn't able to deal with these guys because of my past history and all the things that happened to me. Now I want you to start the kingdom. I want you to kill these people. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, you be my hitman. You do all these things for me. Uh, do you think that, that that was good, bad, or indifferent on how that was handled? I would lean towards a view that I think... David lost his appetite for um, war and kind of this bloody way of getting vengeance back after Uriah the Hittite. Because what I think we saw after that point, and we talked about this, is even with right, even with Absalom, he did not carry out God's justice that was commanded in the law when he committed his sin. 
He didn't carry it out against his, uh, who was the other son that, that slept with his sister. So I think there were multiple things that we see in David's kingship that I have a feeling that after the episode with Bathsheba and Uriah and his confrontation with sin, I think David was not necessarily a weaker man, but I think he just, um, no longer stepped that way. And so he allowed these things to go through. And I think with Solomon, this is part of this charge to him that I see in chapter two, right? Is yes, leaving things undone, but I think David had had his fill of blood in his life and and was wanting to move on. It's a good point. That's a great point. Um, And so Solomon, the son of David, his rule and reign will be established. And, um, you know, it's, it's so interesting um, that it ends chapter two with, um, so the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that God brings this about. And what we'll see next is, is obviously God's blessing upon Solomon. We'll have to wait for that tomorrow, but anything else you have to add? You know, no, I I had this thought, you know, we try to find these gospel connections, but, uh, you know, Joab, we wrestled back and forth. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? And uh, at the end of chapter two, uh, you know, he aligned himself with Adonijah. And so Solomon carries out justice, but even his own dad, right? King David had told uh, Solomon, kind of given him some instruction of how Joab had acted unrighteously by killing men at peacetime when they weren't at war. And it's interesting, right? I mean, we, I think the connection for us in the gospel is we deserve this kind of wrath against us, right? For shaming Mm -hmm. God with our sin in the same way that Joab shamed the kingdom or the kingship of David. But what does God do? God offers mercy. And, Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting, you know, the contrast of, the sons, the the son of David, Solomon, is executing this justice in a bloody way by taking these men's lives that betrayed the king and shamed him, brought dishonor on him. But when we bring dishonor to God, what does God do? Well, he there is judgment to come, right? But he also offers us a way of escape by giving his son's life in exchange for ours. So I, I thought that was, a for me, a powerful connection with what we're looking forward to with Christ. It's good. Well, Bible Rundown, we'll see you tomorrow.